0: Aloha. Hey, this is Philip. This week on Educational Triage, we talk about assessments, the good, the bad, the ugly. So here we go.
1: This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today.
0: Aloha, everybody. Welcome to Educational Triage. I am here with Tony Hunt today. Tony. I didn't put yes, any superlatives Philip. before your name. I should <laughs> <The> <laughs> Illustrious and distinguished are just two generic ones that I can think of. They're not generic for you. However, they're true. How are well, you? Well, thank you. Thank you, Philip Summers. Well, you're welcome. It's true. I've <laughs> known you a long time. That's, you're yeah. a man of high moral fiber. <laughs> well, thank you.
1: Do you realize that we have, we have known each other in nearly 30
0: years and have worked together nearly 30 that. years? Yeah, isn't that scary. amazing? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, I I can't count that high in my toes and hands. So, <laughs> wow, Indeed. it's true. I've learned that. It's true. I, I, Ten years ago, I stopped doing that. Anyway,
1: what are um, we talking about today? Yes,
0: uh, yes, we're talking about assessments, testing, grading. The ways that we get to the end of a project or a paper or whatever, and then we put a quality grade on it or some sort of summative assessment, hopefully more than just one. But, yeah, Um, there are a bunch and everyone knows about them. They know the multiple choice tests and they know the standardized tests. (laughs) yeah right which by the way uh um, both of those are on the list of tests test methods that aren't so effective those are like i think three and four or one and two or something it's not so yeah well that leads uh,
1: into the primary question then and that is what is an effective assessment or form of grading
0: that's exactly the question that we should be asking ourselves and um I went through. Uh, I, I went to Chat GPT because it can oh. assess a lot of information, <laughs> and I asked it certain questions. Uh, the first time, the first question I asked was, "What are the most dynamic and complete, complete forms of educational assessment?" And, and um, it gave me ten results. It likes tens, I guess. And then I asked it, "What are the most complete and effective forms of assessment in alternative ed?"
1: And it came
0: up, yeah, with 10 of those. Are they different? Of those, there are so many similarities and there are so many crossovers Okay, uh, that I would say they're not too different. For example, um, when you're looking at like the original list of like all the best innovative way or all the best ways of doing it, Mm -hmm. um, Dynamic and Complete has Formative up there and Alt-Ed does too. So they both used, they both consider formative assessment so, to be
1: So remind much me the top what one. formative assessment is.
0: Yep. Formative assessment is a continuous assessment conducted on a project or a paper. For example, if you're writing a research paper and, you know, you have a conference with the teacher every week to see, you know, what your research looks like now, what is your, you know, what's your initial paragraph look like, that sort of thing. That's Mm -hmm. a formative assessment, you know, he's, he or she, or they are guiding you as you go. And assessing it that way, too. So that's a very individualized form of assessment.
1: So we are forming, uh, they're assessing the formation of whatever it is that we're doing. Is that correct? Is that a I good so. way of yeah, looking at it?
0: It's just continually assessing the learning process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's given, kids like that. They like to know they're on the right track. Yeah. Um, and giving them a, a clear understanding of what the objectives are. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, especially the kids that might have some kind of anxiety. And and it's also a good way to rein oh, yeah. in some of the kids who may have suddenly developed an idea of what it is that they need to be doing, but they are, let's just say they're off the mark. And so it's a way of reining them back in and keeping people so that, one, they are encouraged to continue the way that they're going to, to nudge them into where they need to be so that they can develop from there.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, just forming, (laughs) forming their assessment, you know, uh, as they're going along, helping kids along, it really helps. Um, You know, portfolios are another thing that show up on the uh, list of, of, um, complete dynamic forms and also an alternative ed. So portfolio work or a body of presented work is a good way to do it too. Um, But it can't be summative. It can't be like, okay, here is your objective. You're going to produce this portfolio. Here's your subject. Here are your guidelines. Go. Your assessment comes at the end. That's a summative. It's like, you know, it's an all or nothing kind of high stakes in there. Uh Like, you know, if what you produce is off the mark, uh, you know, there's an F floating around in the air, so I'm gonna land on it. But um, question formative, course, would be helping you along. Yeah.
1: Okay. Portfolios. Maybe we should do an episode on portfolios in the future. Yeah, um, perhaps. Because I remember 20 some odd years ago, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. we were yeah. embroiled in having to work through portfolios and even even just the cover sheet that was going on to each piece that went into the portfolio became there it was it used to be very simple and then all of a sudden it became this sort of frankensteinian dystopian kind of form <laughs> that had all these boxes to tick off and Right. It it was just it was just all the superfluous data, and then finally I just said, yeah. "Look, this is what I'm using. This is where we're going to go," and people went with that. It, but also the amount of paperwork, the amount of space, it was. Oh, we're going to have to do something well, on that because I don't want to go down that yeah. rabbit hole today. For those of you who
0: don't remember, yeah, once upon a time, you were supposed to put together this body of work called a portfolio. And at the end of student, your journey through high school was assessed on this piece of work. And you were supposed to collaborate with your teacher. Excuse me. And, you know, you're supposed to come up with the reasons why you like these pieces of work and such. And they bought folders in our district. They were very nice folders, very por- nice mm-hmm. portfolio folders. And the, I don't know where they went, but there were thousands of them. They were everywhere. And uh, they never implemented it. Um, but they allowed that this interesting.
1: What they did do was at the high schools, they allowed students who wanted to to ah. come forward and to display some of their portfolio work in front of a committee. That's so, what it was. Okay. And so, well... There were only some of them because I was on the committee. I was on the committee at the one high school and so was our fearless leader. And I think she was on a couple, she was on the committee a couple of times. I was on it several times and we met with, with different students. And I believe they were each given five to
0: 10 minutes. Yeah. That sounded like. Something it was, there was the initial mastery and the advanced mastery is what it was. And I don't know, I can't recall. uh, You know, I was gearing up for it. I also worked in Alt Ed, and there were very few kids in Alt Ed who wanted to do that. They -hmm. just wanted to get done, go see ya. So it's like, would you like to do more work? And they said, not really. No, more work doesn't sound good to me. Right. So they kind of said, no. Right. But it's interesting.
1: It didn't didn't really make. Any relevant
0: sense? Kinda never did. And that was one of the things that showed up on the list of really bad assessments was not being related to real life application. Kind of like mm-hmm. literally that question you have in math, that, that math teacher says, when are we going to use this? <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. like, it's true, though. But, you know, in math, there might be a disconnect, but when it comes to, like, some of the all subjects, it's like you can't be getting away with lessons that are not particularly pertinent to what's going on. So that's a bad way to go.
1: But I will say that I would, if I were hiring a teacher today, I would want Mm -hmm. to have, I would want them to have a portfolio. And I would want to have portfolios of work Mm -hmm. examples, video video examples so that we can see and we can assess okay. interactions with students, what assignments they have, et cetera, et cetera. Because remember, when we sat yeah. down and we were talking, how do you actually know that what you're getting is what you're seeing?
0: Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, person's great at interviewing, but they're terrible, whatever it is you're interview- interviewing them for. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so
1: I would prefer to see something... Um, even if it was problematic, even even if they can look at me and say, this was an awful day and I can look at it, and I would be the one to assess whether or not it was an awful day. It really depends on the interaction, on what happened, what the circumstances were, and everything that went. So an awful day may actually be one of the best criteria to hire somebody from, because if, if they handle themselves well, et cetera, then that is a yeah. really good demonstration of the quality of teacher that you're going to be getting, I think.
0: Well, according to our lists, which I don't mm-hmm. disagree with, I have to add that to even though I did use Chat GPT, I have a little bit of inclination toward the subject. So I knew when it came up with something a little bit like, it oh, doesn't look quite right. Yeah, you gotta you know, double that. check. Yeah, you do have to it's check. It's not it. almighty, but it did come up with that for both. You know, portfolios are, are an excellent way to assess. So, yeah, if you're going to interview that way, you're on to something good. Peer assess and self-assess are also up there with the innovative and effective ways of doing things.
1: So talk to me about peer assessment. What does that mean and how does it work? How do you see it? How would you use that in your classroom then?
0: Well, if you had to use peer assessment, um, you'd have to have... Uh, the knowledge of the peers that are being assessed. So peers assessing another peer, they know them or they know the criteria by which they're going to do it. They don't just kind of make it up as they go. And um, you need to teach that skill, I think too, because what's constructive and what's not constructive. uh, It's a great skill. If you got a really close knit class, peer assessment, Um, it takes time to teach it to students because they don't understand what it is an assessment really is or why they could do that or how they could do that. But if they're really honest and the other person is receptive, you know, Mm -hmm. they can learn an awful lot from each other, especially when it comes to like, let's say they assess each other's role in a project they're doing together. And then the teacher can compare the two, you know, to what the other person thought they were doing sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, but thought, a lot of people work in the blind. And so when they get things get revealed to them, they sort to go hot dog. Thank you. And you have to teach that. You can't to, yeah. how to deliver that news and how to accept it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's really good to peer assess. I mean, if you trust the people you're working with, it's really valuable.
1: Um, I believe that if you're using a rubric and you have uh, student yeah. input on the rubric. Yeah. And- that way, they're very familiar with what goes into the rubric. Yeah. And, and if you do some samples, and so you can go over those with them,
0: and it, mm-hmm. also,
1: it, it also evinces a lot of uh, comfort and self-confidence when they feel as though they are part of the system. And so if you and I need to peer-evaluate each yeah. other um, because Mr. Brodigan or whoever is our teacher says, mm-hmm. you will be doing this now. And we yep. sit down and we have that rubric in front of us and we're looking at whatever it is that we're doing, whether it be math you'll or, be <laughs> or whatever, and we talk to each other. And so we, we, we know what's, what the expectations are. For each yeah, trait. I have
0: to know what, it, what it's about, that's for sure. Yeah. Rubric-based assessment is actually um, on the list of good things, to, good ways of uh, educational assessment. It's also on the bad list, isn't that weird?
1: <laughs> Explain, okay, for good. our listeners, I think that we know what makes rubrics really good, especially if there's student input in creating this because yes. that way they have ownership in what they do. Mm-hmm. But why would a rubric be a poor evaluative
0: tool? Well, I guess what they're probably alluding to is, is what chat GPT qualified it as is if it's an incomplete or um, irrelevant rubric if what's in it isn't getting to what you want to assess and so that would be you know what they would consider to be what do they call it here don't they in mean, uh ineffective um standard relationship yeah an assessments disconnected from real world application so i kind of agree with that if you it can go wrong if you mm-hmm. rely on a rubric because it's very rigid, yeah. Um, but it's very effective because it's very clear. So it's skill there. Is a rubric really that rigid? Well, it can direct you if you do it right <laughs> and You're right wrong. as in I mean wrong. You know, what I mean you can manipulate rubrics. You can there's certain if you keep information out or if you don't directly relate it, things like that. It just. Mm-hmm. Things get a little wonky. It, it kind of fell into the indirect okay. relationship category, but rubrics as a form was directly um, in the dynamic and complete forms and assessment. So,
1: right. And I would say to our listeners that a really good uh, text for rubrics is by Danelle Stevens and i do not see it in front of me oh there it is it is called an introduction to rubrics Mm -hmm. and let me pull it down here and this is it and i will put down the information in the show notes Um, so because what she does is she goes through and she makes it very simple so don't make them complicated make them simple you can you can add the complications later on. But yeah. the students need to have them simple. And then as you go, you can always ask and build on those and ask the students what's missing or what do we need to do in order to make this better.
0: Right. Uh, one Next. One of the other ones that showed up was adaptive testing across the board.
1: What's adaptive testing? We know what testing yeah, yeah. is, but...
0: Yeah, what is adaptive testing? So according to uh, ChatGPT, adjust the difficulty of questions based on students' previous responses. And provide the a personal assessment experience, inefficiently gauging or efficiently gauging a student's proficiency level. So it's it's building on the questions that came before it, I guess. Or adjusting the difficulty. Yeah. There's a big thing about in, in alt ed about using AI. And I okay. thought that was very interesting um, but I have yet to get into things like AI yet or alternative
1: can you use,
0: credits and can, badges and sort of things like that
1: but can you use is there a way to use artificial intelligence to create an adaptive test because I'm not sure how there would let's be. say that even if you have a class of fifteen right, that is an ungodly kind of labor.
0: It's got I'm be thinking of Hercules. Generated. Yeah. What's that? You gotta computer generate it. It's computer well, generated. But it has to then, be because it's adjusting to your proficiency level. So so
1: is it is it going to be something along the lines of a but that means that the artificial intelligence is also doing the summation and also doing the grading of it.
0: Yeah. So well, Yeah, it would be, wouldn't
1: it? Yikes. So that, there are so many questions that I have with that because students then, because after using the computer platforms where they do the grading of the writing and everything else in the curriculum, if students don't use the correct terminologies and, for, right. and format and the right wording, It bypasses it and says that they don't understand it when you can go in there and look at it and you say, yeah, Mm -hmm. you did understand what was going on. So it's, what's the word? It's unreliable.
0: Well, it would seem to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust it. It's artificial intelligence of some sort, not AI per se, but computer-based. It's making calculations. For example, proficiency at the beginning of a a history unit um, online. So, uh, you know, World War II, origins of, you know, and it gives you like 15 questions, you know, what was this? What was that? It does it in multiple choice form, but it assesses your proficiency. And then it assigns questions. Based upon what you lack, what your deficiencies are, you need to study those, and then you're given a summative test at the end of the unit or the chapter or whatever it is that covers both categories, and uh, or the ones just the ones that you don't understand first. It can do that too, so you won't see if you know questions on Pearl Harbor backward and forward. It's not going to ask you anything about Pearl Harbor anymore. It's going to insert questions about Midway or something because you don't really have a knowledge of what Midway was, for example.
1: But if you're answering those questions, aren't you simply just regurgitating something that you've memorized? Isn't that yeah. more of of, of a multiple-choice yeah. test or a standardized test, which is not seen yeah. as no. an effective form of assessment?
0: Yeah, those are bad the forms of assessment. However, the computer base wants to assess what you know and don't know i guess and then it would assign you both the the content and then the post content assessment based upon what you did not know and that would be a form of doing that i suppose i could think of an adaptive test it's it's sort of like you don't well, like you'd said, you know, if the kid's gotten through half of history, why are you going to make them go through all the whole year if they've got, you know, almost all of the content in the first half of history?
1: Right. You want them to have some kind of, well, there might be a recall because we talk yeah. about trigger points where maybe yeah. I don't recall something off the top of my head, but then somebody says something and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, now I remember that. Yeah. That's the most that we really need to require from students, I believe, because for them to walk That's around true. with everything that they've been taught in high school and grade school and middle school, and then at uni or trade school right. is a bit unreasonable i th-
0: wouldn't you say I think so too, yeah, it's well yeah, but on the same on on the same hand, you know going to um take a history course, for example, and I've already like done two thirds of the first semester, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I was good at history. I was just flaky at going to school. <laughs> I would like to be able to test out. I always want to show my proficiency. And go, no, I can do this. Can you show me, I can, can I show you, I can do this. And, right. um, yeah, but you know, there's politics behind that too.
1: Well, but, also, testing out of a class means that the school or the district is receiving less money, supposedly, because
0: if yeah, okay. you're not in
1: school, then they don't get the money.
0: Right. So might, yeah, that makes sense. But there's also, with uh, innovative assessments, I, I, I came up with a third list, one of the uh, most innovative assessments used in education. Let's hear those. Blow my well, that mind. One, that was Many of them were just the same, but project-based assessments, uh, portfolios, uh, peer assessment, uh, game-based assessments. I thought that was interesting. Um, gamification is used to create engaging assessments that measure problem-solving ability, strategic thinking, and decision-making skills.
1: But tell me more. Um, tell me more, because I am not a gamer. Yeah.
0: And okay, I have a feeling so, that, that
1: you are far yeah. more familiar with gaming than I am
0: no i'm very not far I'm very not informed about gaming, but I can use this example, and I probably get it wrong. You trekkers out there will know this so um, so Captain Kirk had this uh in in the academy you're given a problem that cannot be solved, and they measure your performance as a captain of a starship on how you react to the situation. Well, Kirk figured out a way to not only solve it he rigged it so he won and i can't remember what the name of the maneuver is but everyone fails it but kirk figured a way to to pass it and it was every it was their assessment but kirk went you know not through the assessment he went around i think and he had a computer program put in there and he figured out how to like make it so that he he didn't actually get wiped out. He was surrounded by Romulan vessels on all sides. And so what are you going to do next, Captain? He just sits back with an apple and crosses his legs and goes, oh, fire phasers two and three at this one and three and four at that one. And it's like, what? You know, he was calm and cool because he'd already figured out the problem. And uh, that's that would be one of those assessments, one of those simulation or virtual reality assessments where you're the captain of a starship, here's your crew, you know, it was high tech and you're going into combat mm-hmm. and here's your situation, go. And then all hell broke loose. You know, how was he going to react? And of course he had already figured it out in the film, he'd already figured it out in the series. Okay. It was said that he was the only one that ever figured it out, but in the film it showed that he had actually pirated this program from it. <laughs> but yeah, but that's okay. That's a yeah.
1: Okay. But for the teachers out there, Yeah, who may not be Trekkies?
0: Oh, how would they employ gamification? Well, games into their classroom. I mean, what does that mean? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I would love to know that, or I'm sorry, I'd love to do that. Um, I, when it first came up, I'm thinking to myself, how can I make this happen? Um, Mm -hmm. I was wanted to do something with uh, the Apollo command module, like create it, and put the guys through scenarios. And I I wondered if it was possible to get maker boards, you know, to kind of come up with controls that would make things occur, computerize them. And, you know, it would have been interesting um simply because they learned so much about the space program and we wanted to build a mock up and then I thought to myself what if you could do simulations in the mock up you know okay. i bet i could get my hands on some of those but that's kind of a long shot it you know actually like artificial like virtual reality it's like that would be tough because the props aren't there i mean that's hard to create at this point in time I could see if everyone in the class had headsets on, like five people had headsets, and they're seeing the same thing, then mm-hmm. it becomes much, much more real. But yeah, I don't know. I use that as an example of Captain Kirk, because that's the one I thought of, as they were assessing okay. on that. Here's, here's your final assessment. You're screwed. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so you know, to our audience, yeah.
1: then, if you know anybody who uses gamification, let us know. Yeah,
0: please. Game base Reach out and, to us. Simulation. Simulation, virtual reality, they're all kind of like the same, in the same bucket here. Adaptive testing, we talked about that. We talked about that. That computer that knows you. Formative assessment, oh. Multimodal, let's recognize that students have different strengths and learning styles. Assessments uh, may involve a combination of written, oral, visual, hands-on, you know. um, Okay. Um, Both toward things they do well and things they don't do well. (laughs) You need them to learn something. Yeah, machine learning and AI. And they can uh, analyze a vast amount of data and assess student performance, identifying learning patterns and things. But that's a lot of work. They'd have to really analyze a lot, big body of work. I don't know. And self-assessment and reflection.
1: I think that's an important mentorship.
0: one too. Yeah, that is. But
1: Although, it has to be done properly. Yeah. It has to yeah. be done properly. I worked with a guy. This is, Lord, this is 30... 36 years ago, I worked with somebody and he used to have the students do a self-assessment at the end of the semester mm-hmm. and he'd allowed them to grade themselves. And he was a very popular teacher because, well, the girls were all ooing and aahing over him because he was like the cool guy. He was like young, young good looking, everything. Yeah. Um, and he would do that form of assessment or self-assessment, and that's how he yeah. put out his grades. So, the students actually graded themselves, which is a very dangerous thing to do, because once students figure that out, then they don't do anything, and then they just come in, and they just do that. Um, And, yeah, but aside mm. from that self-assessment, how else, I think that the self-assessment, as long as it's honest and honorable, I think that's wonderful, but n- You know, how would you do that so that you knew that you, that the student wasn't just sort of carving out an A for themselves,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: And using a lot of BS. Are you are you talking about what they learned on each step of the process and doing the reflective work? Uh, And I think that's something that we talked about earlier was that reflect self reflection was something that students really needed to learn. And so using that, do you think that that's what they're talking about?
0: Yeah. Um, Self-reflection to me demands an investment in the content. Okay. So I was just thinking about how I would approach it. If I don't care about the class and I'm just trying to scratch through with a C or B, I, I really don't care. And the, the teacher hasn't particularly sparked my attention. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to self-assess now. I'm writing a fairly concocted self-assessment of myself. I'm not really looking deep at myself or, you know, wow, did I really do something? Well, what would he want to hear kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Whereas if I was really invested in the in the course and and the professor or the teachers actually challenged me um my self assessment becomes very genuine and authentic you know at first you did this and that challenged me i didn't like it it forced me to to take on another approach which i did here's what i learned through that approach so i'd use examples you know the other examples were generic you know oh i I learned to write better because i did so many rough drafts of this one particular paragraph it's like you know yeah you, you and i were banging on that paragraph and you thought it was important and i Golly, I learned a lot doing it. You know, it's like, so there's, you got to be invested in it. And the teacher has to have the relationship too. Yeah. 25, 28 kids, you know, period three, here's your self-assessment. They're like, yep, I'm moving on. (laughs) Maybe five of them Um, will love you, but. I think, I think
1: that it would also be beneficial for the students to also assess the instructor.
0: That's always been interesting.
1: Because I want to know. Yeah. I I mean, if a student says, I really hate your guts, I think that you're just a lower abdominal orifice and you can go pollinate yourself. That says nothing to me. Okay. If a student Uh says. You challenged me. I want to know how I challenged them, what worked and what didn't work. I need to know because I need that form of assessment back from them in order to guide my practice in future classes.
0: Well, you're talking about collaborative learning, aren't you?
1: (laughs) I suppose I am. Um,
0: Yeah. And that's what we love to do. And that's what we did. But that's what's missing from so many classrooms. Mm-hmm. There's no time to collaborate in 55 minutes, period three, Mr. S- Mr. Simpson's class. It's just not happening. You have you, know, I, you have an incredible number of opportunities yeah. for There's collaborative learning. There's 32 kids, learning. 30, 28 kids in there. And, you know, you want to do it, but then you, you, it's kind of like people got to meet you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can extend the help, but. Lord knows how many kids just duck and cover from the teacher.
1: Right. Right. And, then and we
0: I think that the problems we're having, but yeah.
1: But I believe that if you have the relationship with the students that's honest and honorable. Yeah. And it's one where they where you build the trust with them because you don't have that trust on day 1. You have to build no. that trust with them. And they have to learn yeah. that you are there to help them and to guide them and to work with them, and that you are constantly looking to help build their strengths, but also to practice on their weaknesses so that those can become part of their their strategy of brilliance, so to speak, in their lifetime, so that that weakness no longer is a weakness. Maybe it's a weaker form of their strength, but we can get that going. And once they have that and they feel the self-confidence with you, And you don't have to like each other. You just have to respect each other.
0: Well, that's true. And,
1: you know, I mean, not everybody's going to like your cup of tea. They may want something completely different, but they can respect that that's what it is. Right. And that way you can have an honest response from them. And I've always found that I have, oh, I would say that 99.9% of the time my students are willing to give me an honest response because I tell even when they're doing their writing and I'm teaching English and I say, I would like you to write a paper. And they say, well, what do you want us to say? And it's like, I don't care what you say. I want to know what you know. I don't want you to spit back what you think I want to hear. If you have an opinion that's differing from mine, I want to know what that is and I want to know how you support it. If you have an opinion that's the same as mine, I need you to be able to support that as well. So I'm not going to give you my actual opinions because I need you to form your own. And I need you to be Mm -hmm. able to support those. And if you can do that, then I can respect you and then we can talk about that. And I can Uh, play devil's advocate. And I found that yeah, some students fun. were absolutely unnerved by such a thought.
0: Yeah, they were, aren't they?
1: But it really helped because um, they need to form their own person.
0: Well, uh, that begs a question that I'd love, to, love for you to answer. Uh, maybe we're not going to answer it. So there's two approaches to teaching. is One, you don't want them to know what your opinion is at all. Right. You, you want to maintain as much of a neutrality as you can. And two, you are free to express your opinions, but you express them um you don't do it, you don't pontificate uh in a way that preaches. You just when you know, well what do you think, Mr. Summers? Here's what I think and here's why I think it. And um so as long as you're not preaching, you know, you're just offering your your side of it. And then you're you're very open to the two way, that would be the way to well, do it obviously so I was more
1: of the latter yeah as a libra somebody would say something and they'd say what do you think and i would say well at first blush here's what i'm hearing and this is what i see oh. however <laughs> yeah I also see this, and then they start asking questions. So I will go with whatever way that they're asking the questions, because it's their learning opportunity. It's not. It's not my place to preach. It's not my church. That's exactly correct. It's their yeah. church, and so their yeah. beliefs need. They need to develop their own beliefs, not come up with my beliefs. And I know far right. too many teachers, and I I had this put upon me too, where the instructors would dictate what we believed, <laughs> and I did. I never trusted those people, <laughs> and I didn't respect them. So this comes from my middle school uh, and high
0: school yeah, experience. Yeah, I. I will always be ready with my opinion about something when it comes about teaching. You know, what do I think about teaching? Here's, here's Mm -hmm. what I think about teaching. Right. I never say, here's what I would do because I, you're not me, you know, but I would say, here's how I do things. Uh, As far as, you know, like when it came to political science and uh, I would offer opinions about the constitution. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, you know, this precedent, you know, this ruling said this, and from then on, that ruling was precedent, and therefore, that's how we operated. And, uh, you know, I tend to agree with this, this Supreme Court ruling. I think it was pretty much the time that we needed to to either do this or do that. Um, right. And, and here's why. I would love to tell you. I don't want to bore them. But, yeah, um, I just trying to keep things neutral, just delivering information is not, I don't think, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can be a total objective teacher. You can't. Because you just omit stuff. Right. You know, if you're trying to just, the facts, ma'am, you just omit. And uh, and, uh, omission is one of the ways that you deliver, you badly deliver curriculum by omitting things or not only just changing them, but omitting them, not talking about that, things like that. But it's It's also okay to say, I don't know. Which I say a ton. I uh, mm-hmm. say a ton, a couple issues. It's like, I don't know. And I won't offer my opinion. Well, what would you do? or What would you think? I, no, no, that one's not, I won't touch it. Um, you know, and not publicly. I mean, if I had to make that decision, here's where it would go. But I won't say that either because that it's just a situational thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And they'll ask me some, a question. Yeah.
1: I've, I've had students ask me a question and they'll say, Why is it that people believe X, Y, and Z?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, and we will parse through that together.
0: Yeah, I don't have that's to give one.
1: them my my perceptions of it. I can say, maybe here's what I've heard. And this is my understanding. Here's
0: Here's how right. history is treated that or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But there may be more be to it Israel. than I think.
0: Yeah. Like Israel and Hamas, you know, in Palestine there, that. Right. The um, conflict in Gaza. I understand both sides. I know the history very, very well. I see it totally different than other people see it.
1: You mm-hmm. know, I, I
0: don't, I don't take a side. It's like, I, it's, it's a horrible situation. It is. And it gets worse and worse every second it goes on. And both sides are just neck deep in that carnage. And mm-hmm. that's what's happening right now. Now, I realize how they got there, but, you know, it's like it's just ugly right now. And I feel that the immediate attention would be on the victims of this, this violence, you know, not the perpetrators per se. So there's a lot of innocent people being hurt, and that's a very big tragedy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what makes people angry. I don't think anybody's angry at casualties on either side of the conflict. I think people are very angry at the fact that children and older people and old women and old men are dying, you know, because of the place is being blown apart by both people's sides. And so there you go. Right. That was I guess that's my opinion, but it settles on it. War is bad. <laughs> we can debate on how that happened, but I don't think anybody's going, yeah, that's that situation really could turn out well for somebody there.
1: Right. That's one that could. I would probably pull out and away from with students simply because mm,
0: yeah, I, I would
1: say, you know, it's an incendiary kind of discussion. Yeah. And I really— I and to be honest i have heard so much from both sides mm-hmm. yeah and i really and and i don't know how much of it's propaganda i don't know how much of it is actual real information and i'm trying to am trying to sort through everything and so mm-hmm. i can't really give a, a a rational answer to that simply because i don't know and right. I'm trying to figure it out know. as well. And yeah, I know some I people will know. say that's a cop out, but it's not a cop out. I'm telling the truth. If they say you have yeah, to pick a side, yeah. it's—I know I don't have to pick a side right now. I'm telling you where I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would even contend that picking a side is not the only option. I mean, well, there's one side or the other. You got to pick one. It's like. No, you, no, you don't. You don't really. I mean, there are other options here, mm-hmm. yeah. And and what they would be, you know, I don't know. I'm looking for them. I'm sitting squarely in the middle, sort of looking at it. It you kind of gotta like assess what the motive behind that would be. So you get right. assessments, but yeah, you know, everybody knows, and they're being put to a test that's not fair, and not that people mind. Being tested, I think they mind being tested in ineffective and inefficient ways. You know, they don't like being tested and wasting their energy. People don't like being judged. That is very true. And if you think about it. That is awesome. Yeah.
1: And if you think about it, people don't like uninformed judgments People don't like it when a teacher says this is what you this is what you're getting on this project and you have no idea why and the teacher says we'll talk about it later or they give you incomplete right. answers because you're entitled to have a reason for it and you're also entitled to I, the only word that comes to my mind right now, reform your work. And so that's why the formative assessment, as you're moving along, is so important, because that way you can catch the glitches.
0: Yeah, and it shows and, up on all the lists, first and foremost, formative, yeah.
1: Right. And that way it's going through. And then the the big question, I think, that comes out of that is grading. Because we're talking about equitable grading these days. And so, you know, playing around with not just chat GPT, but like several other forms of AI and asking what's the most equitable form of assessment, what is the least biased, and using the rubric is actually the top one. Really? And project-based learning.
0: Project-based
1: learning, Rubik's name. Right. And if you are redesigning your assessment strategies and just going through it, and also if you have the cooperation of the students in the design, you're, you're, you're doing swimmingly well because that's what it's about. And you've got to have that. I think you brought it up, the collaboration.
0: Yeah, you really kind of wrapped it up in a really nice package with what you said. I thought so. Yeah, it, it just comes down to everyone wants not to be judged on criteria that's not personally related to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I just nobody wants to stand in line and be stamped on the forehead with an A, B, or C, or D, you know, Doug. Um, you know, like we did alternative ed, no one got a C or a D. We just didn't accept it. I'm sorry. This is not C work, and It of, won't be accepted until it is. I don't give us and I don't give D's. Right. Either you get it or you don't. And it's like, no, you can't kind of figure out how to be bad in degrees. You've got to meet a certain standard. And it, I think when people meet that, they go, well, that's a C. Yeah. Then you can, you can sit on that. I would do better, but you can sit on that. That's okay. You can, you can own that. It's part but, of you,,
1: <laughs> but what do you say to the people who say that it's unfair that you won't accept d work
0: well it's it may be unfair that is true. life is unfair. I will agree um it's just my standard. And my standard was not just, I wasn't a lonely Lord. Of, I am the only one that doesn't give D's or F's. We all decided there are no D's and F's and we all support each other. Mm-hmm. And we'd all know what that standard would generally be. And it go, well, you know, you can't get a D. So pr- do more work, bring up their grade, yeah. get the credit. Yeah. yeah, It's just the standard that people will rise to
1: do we need standards? Do you, yes. the importance of standards in assessment is, is that really that important is I know the answer, but I'm going to ask yeah. you
0: anyway, because well, for a if lot of people, about standards, like reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, there's some debate on that, but certain standards of behavior, standards of attendance, mm-hmm. standards of involvement, respect as a, general behavior when you deal with people is a standard that's just the kind of way things have to work in a school. Yeah, yeah, you know, the cursing thing is um it's really bad and it's a subculture of high schools that took over the main culture and I don't know where it fits in society, but the the halls of a high school sound like freaking barracks. Like, they do. fuck this, and they talking, dropping F-bombs everywhere. It's just co- adjective, verb, noun in one sentence. It's like, dude, really? You know, is there another word in your vocab? And all of them just drop it. And they scream in the halls, you know, and it's like, wow, it, this is a well, school. It's,
1: it's so pervasive in the in the culture now.
0: You hear it on and the
1: radio, you hear it in the music, you see it on television with
0: streaming. And that's fine, but in a high school or church, you know, or grandma's dinner table, I used to say, hey, grandma, pass the effing potatoes. You know, how many of us would have survived that one? <laughs> None.
1: Nobody.
0: <laughs> no, it's great. You know, it's like there's a place and a time, and I tell them, too, I'm not against, you know, bad language. I'm against just complete and utter recklessness. Use of every expletive you've ever heard. Just because you think it makes you sound something, it just it's, it's too much. Everybody, it's too much. Choose when you drop an F-bomb or say the S-word, you know, for like a point, not just because you can say it and no one's uh. stopping you. Standard.
1: Create an assessment.
0: Create an assessment. Over the use of
1: the yeah. language.
0: Yeah. Which would be dynamic. I would change it. If things changed, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be rigid, but there would be certain, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What what was that word? We had standards. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you just can't be dropping the F-bomb at school all the time, but it's just been taken over.
1: And I think, well, I think administration has just thrown their hands up.
0: Yeah, they have, you know, well, there's no accountability. You know, I hate to say that. There, like there is no the accountability. Court. There's not, no. No, you know, I can say it, and what are you going to do about it? And actually, nothing. I, oh, okay, then I win. Yeah.
1: There are tons of podcasts by teachers, and they talk about the lack of accountability. The people, yeah. the group that is being held accountable are the teachers, not the students, not the administrators, oh, right. not the parents. It's all, it's oh, all so coming down on the teachers, and that's why teachers are leaving the Yeah,
0: Or being forced out. <clears throat> or they're just, you know, yes. when they say there's a teacher shortage, they're actually forcing teachers out over issues like this. No, we choose the student over you. You may now leave the district. And they, yeah. don't, they don't say that out loud. They say, well, we've had differences. They come up with some other reason, but right. that's how it's, they get rid of people. They but it's it not a time. teacher
1: shortage. It's teacher retention. They cannot keep the oh, teachers yeah. that they have.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's a teacher retention problem. Yeah. We're, we're, we're willing and ready. Most of us, um, but it's it's a impossible situation most of the time. Completely,
1: and it is. Yeah. So, and if we only had collaborative assessments with our administrators, maybe things might be a little different.
0: Yeah, I would like to assess some of my administrators. <laughs> I would say, I would say, for example, I have no basis whatsoever to assess you on, which is a large problem. Because you're accountable to me. You're supposed to support me. Yeah. So how come it is I don't know what you do? But they
1: don't they don't see it as they need to support you because they see it more as a hierarchy.
0: Yes, they do. I'm so, just an underling. They're the boss. I'm an underling. They tell me what to do. I do it. They don't... You don't support workers. You use them.
1: Yes. Yes. With
0: that, no. It is Yes,
1: and with that...
0: Our editorial, but yeah. Next week,
1: we'll be yeah. doing our an our episode. We'll be covering bias in assessments. And we are working hard to try to get our subscribership up to five hundred. So, make sure that you do hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button, and share us. Give us a review. So, until next week, reach for the sky, keep your feet on the ground, and we will see you then. Until then, bye-bye. Aloha.